Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast. And this is all about helping you to become more visible, more credible, and ultimately more profitable by becoming more significant. And you have a smorgasbord of offerings to tap into. So over 50 wonderful podcast conversations with incredibly inspiring guests, each of whom are being truly significant in the world. And they're sharing wisdom and insights that helps them to continually have an ongoing impact in the world by being ever more significant. Then I have 10 Wisdom and Insights episodes where I have captured the golden nuggets from those conversations. And in each Wisdom and Insights episode, I share from either five or six episodes, the key learnings, the insights, and the practical actions that we can all take right now to become more significant in the world. And then my third offering is some snapshots of the learning that I have been doing over the last few years. I am a learning junkie. I'm constantly keyed into audiobooks, to podcasts, to TED Talks, to online courses, to mentoring. And I'm learning so much all the time that I'm sharing with my clients. And so I want to do that through the podcast platform as well. So I will be putting together very short, probably 15, 20 minute sessions on key learnings and again, key actions that can help us all to become more focused, tap into more of our potential and make a real and lasting difference in the world. So lots to choose from. And thank you so many of you for supporting the podcast over the last couple of years. It's been great to have you on board. And long may you continue to tap into the wisdom and gems of the Becoming More Significant podcast. Wherever you are today, I hope you're shining brightly. Have a great day. So I'm absolutely delighted to have the fabulous Scylla Mackay with me today on the Becoming More Significant podcast. Welcome, Scylla. Thank you, Sylvia. Thanks for inviting me. Now, Scylla, for the benefit of my audience, would you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Sylvia. Yes. Yeah, so let's say I'm Scylla Mackay. Um, my goodness, where do we start? So in terms of me and my background and where I come from and what I do, um, my purpose is very much about enabling organisations to deliver transformational change in what is and increasingly now um, a VUCA and changing world and, and landscape. And I've been involved in learning and transformation over the last 25 plus years seems an awful long time when we think about that um, in various different shapes and forms and whether that be in running my own consultancy business and growing um, businesses from scratch or being part of large corporates or as I am currently supporting a learning business as one of their executive um, directors but also supporting 
individuals alongside that who are going through significant change and and personal transformation often as well. So to summarise, I love anything which involves change and transformation, helping people navigate through that. Brilliant. You must be in your element right now then. (laughs) The thing is, it's never more significant time for change using your words there is a sylvia because we are in environments at the moment where all the problems that are being presented to us are are ambiguous there is there's nothing that seems concrete or that we can necessarily mirror or match from things that have gone before although there might be some similarities to change that we've we've undertaken before so this really does um, need us to take a step back from traditional ways of thinking and start to think really differently about how we uh, diagnose support change look at the things that we need to do daily that are just going to make sometimes small small differences but with large impacts Mm. as well yes it's unbelievably uncertain times and you certainly can't take any kind of uh, training and development package off the shelf and go right this is going to fit this one we've never been here before and, and that uncertainty um is making people incredibly nervous but for you it helps you to rise to your challenge doesn't it absolutely <laughs> yes yeah i mean i would be i have to really say i would be really bored if we were working in stable environments anyway so that that's probably says something about me and my personality and how i like to operate although saying that i think there is there is a need always to balance um periods of of change and creativity and curiosity and how we we look to make things different with periods of reflection as mm. well and mm. and a lot of that comes from um for me personally, some of that transformation capability has come from periods where I've really had to look deep internally to understand more about how I operate and why I operate and the impact that and the influence that I need to have on people and their lives around me in order to facilitate that change because it's never going to come from a place of just doing all the time that there is an equal amount of need for reflection. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm really interested, Scylla, to find out what led you into this business, because as you say, you've been doing this for 25 years. So what brought you into this industry of transformation and and change and developing people? Well, Silver, the thing is, I really fell into it by accident. And I think that often is the way that things evolve and if I think back to the earlier days in in running businesses and the why I did it I would probably the the person with the biggest imposter syndrome that you could ever have at that particular point because the reason I decided to go and work for myself um, was when I when I was pregnant with twins and I was working within corporate environment then while I was working for the Royal Bank of Scotland I enjoyed what I did I was in a sales environment there but just the structure and setup back in the early 90s for childcare and support with with two when I realized it was two and the shock that came from that just wasn't there like it is in the current day and age so I had to make some key decisions on a I was going to how I was going to earn some money my husband was being made redundant at that particular point in time as well so I, I started to think about the skills that I had um, and, the, and what could I use and work flexibly around these two little terrors that I inherited at that particular point. And that was my first transition into starting to work for myself. It wasn't consultancy at that point. I set up my first, first sales bis- business. And what was interesting about that was also modelling um, a business that was very focused around um, 
other mothers around their working environments, around the challenges that they had in terms of um, structure of normal corporate hours. And I set up my own sales and marketing business at that point in time, utilising all stay-at-home mums, working in a really flexible way um, in terms of contracting with the hours that they were going to serve clients. And it worked really well. I had ups and downs. I learned so much by that. And it was at the end of a period of time when I'd been running that business that I was asked to get involved in in supporting organisation with their own sales and marketing strategies and their own lead generation activity. Um, And I just evolved into talking to businesses around how do we develop marketing strategies? How do we um, create great sales environments, outbound lead generation, and how do we train and develop our people to do that? That was my first step into learning and consultancy, quite by accident, Sylvia, because I had no intention of doing it at that particular point in time. Wow. And you obviously took to it because, you know, you, you've developed yourself and your business and various roles since then. So when you think back to yourself as a child, were you the sort of child that used to set up a stall in the street and sell lemonade to the thirsty passers-by? Because you often hear those stories from people that then go on and develop like sales and marketing organisations. I know. No, I, I wasn't particularly good at selling in the street, but I did used to make try to make perfume out of rose petals in a bucket oh, yeah. and see whether anybody could sell that for me. So that was interesting. But no, I was always one for a fresh challenge, a new game, mm-hmm. something that was um, a bit creative and inventive, something that involved a bit of fun as well. So I was like that, always hungry for new adventures and ideas, even if sometimes I had a significant amount of mishaps along the way. Mm. Um, and I think that that element of energy and drive and passion for something new has always been part of what I'm doing. So I'm never prepared to sit still and just say, do you know, that's a really difficult time at the moment. I've got twins. I can't go back to work. What will I do? I'm thinking about well, what, can, what can I do? How can I create something? How can I engage? How can I do something differently? Mm. Um, and you know you make all the mistakes in the book when you work like that as well because there is no recipe for this it is all about trying something and seeing what sticks and works and also significantly learning by the stuff that doesn't work Mm. (laughs) so I when I was a kid I did so many things that were um, probably to my detriment in getting me into trouble And, and I would say running a business was a little bit like that I had my ups and downs but during that period of time when you're starting to set out with something new and it's and looking to create something, then the biggest moments of success came from moments of not doing it well for failure as well. Mm. Mm. And how did you cope with those? Because you just had twins. Yeah. The hormones must have been all over the place. You must have had quite a few sleepless nights, I'm presuming. Yep. Twins are very demanding. One baby's demanding enough. <laughs> So how did you cope with the highs and lows of motherhood, starting a new business, building a team, and then all the challenges and, and yeah. you know, the, the mistakes? What, yeah. What were your coping strategies? Structure I've, and routines were really, really important to me. So I've got this interesting, um, I suppose, mixture in my personality preferences of creative energy and real structure and focus. Right. and. I could not survive without structured routines, um, even to the point of when I would wake the babies up in the middle of the night to feed them rather than them wake me at different times so that I did it together and they got into a strict routine that they only ever woke together, put them back to bed so that I could have some sleep that allowed me to cope, really clearly define ways of working 
when I was um, when the kids were small and also knowing the points then that I would look to engage and do my work. I had a great mother-in-law, I have to say as well, who was just on hand to support on some of the days just to take them off my hands for a while and enable me to do, um, to step back and really think about what I was doing. And then when they went to bed at night, then again, that creative energy then kicked in and you know we started to have a look at what we needed to do to plan and prepare for the next day and the engagement, the activity that we had. So yeah, I would, Absolutely, for me, in those early days of, of looking to juggle young children and a, and a business, it was about the structures and the routines and the ways of working mm. that I set for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened, Scylla? So, you know, you ran that for a while. What was the next stage of your career? So I had another baby in all of that as well. So that was, I had three young children. I had my daughter five years later. So that was... A, quite a stage when the business was growing. So the, the sales and marketing business that grew to about 25 people um, operating, we had our offices in Whitney and it was really working well, but we were also finding the challenges of operating um, with this a flexible approach to mothers working within school hours that brought some real benefits, but some restrictions. And it was that time when I was starting to think about how do I create, again, more flexibility in the way that I look to work. Um, and the had a number of clients approach me and say, we like the work that you do on a, a project basis for us. How can you come and help develop our people internally? And I started to look at how do we develop great sales functions and the marketing functions that we talked about earlier. And also then how do we ensure that we create an environment where um, sales and service thrives in organizations so that got me really interested and curious in this whole area around culture and leadership and what makes things tick I had no clue how to go about this Sylvia but I, I did do quite a bit of reading at this mm. point and I'm the sort of person that goes out and tries stuff and if it works that's great but then I need to understand why it works so that I can repeat it um, and it wasn't until I then started to do some really deep dive into a number of different types of books that enabled me to get behind some of the science as to mm -hmm. why some things were working or not, that I could then articulate that back in a way that became a bit more of a consultancy proposition. So I certainly didn't come from a starting point as a theory and then going to try it. I came from going out and trying stuff and see if it worked mm -hmm. and then reinforcing that through that reading and research and and so on. And, and that's when I made a decision in, in 2000 that I'd like to much more involved into consulting and supporting organisations to grow their own talent, whether it's through leadership, cultural development, coaching with a sales and service focus, mm. rather than actually running the service itself. And I made the transition at that point. Brilliant. I love that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really on board with that, Scylla, that you learn so much from doing and, you know, you get an idea, you try it out and then you think, OK, how could I make this richer? Yeah. And then you go and learn and, and, and you understand what underpins what you're doing. And I certainly found that a couple of years ago, I did a neuroscience course and that's added such depth and richness to what I deliver because I can explain what's happening in the brain, for example, when you don't get enough sleep or when you don't take enough time out. And, you know, when you can explain things at that level, then people are far more likely to sit up and pay attention and think, ah, right, okay, I really need to do something about that. 
rather yeah. than just that top level of information. So, so how have you developed that, that sort of those people skills over the years? Because you've been in this type of business for a long time. You must have learned so much about developing people <laughs> and taking them through change and the culture changes that were involved in it, all of that. Just share yeah, and- some of your learning, some of your insights. Well, thanks, Sylvia. And I think the, the point, I suppose, about that experiential learning is that you that you learn, you have to learn a lot about yourself first. And mm-hmm. we often quote, you know, with the the, um, the work of Carl Jung said, which is the beginning of all knowledge is in self-awareness. Yeah. And, and for me, a light bulb moments were turned on around why I was pretty good at some things and probably not so effective in other areas of my um, consultancy development. When I got involved in insights, um, as a tool so insights discovery and that was in 2001 so it seems an awful long time ago now and um, became a practitioner and for me that was quite a, a moment not only because insights um, as a tool that along with many other personality and preference tools so you know it's just one of many that could be used in in developing that sense of self-awareness but it became a real light bulb moment for me because I worked alongside Andy Lothian, who was the founder of that tool um, up in Dundee, looking at what we call deeper in discovery, which was really the in-depth psychological preferences that made up how those, the profile worked. Mm. Um, and probably a realisation to me as to how I ticked and why I could be effective in some areas and really the impact of, of how I operated on people around me. And then starting from that to start to see the critical importance of adapting and connecting mm. effectively so that that emotional awareness I would say I was pretty emotionally unaware up to that point Sylvia and that's why you make a lot of the the big mistakes yeah. <laughs> and the things that went wrong I can look back on and think were probably because I just did not have that deep sense of understanding of of emotional connection and also how I would drive better outcomes um, mm. And then, so that was a really good first step. And I think the other thing then was, this is where I probably had the, the biggest level of imposter syndrome. I kept thinking to myself, look, I'm in my early 30s. Um, I've learned this stuff by myself. I've read and developed it. No one's ever trained me how to do this. One day someone is going to find me out. Yes. They're going to go, What's, how is she qualified to do this stuff? You're going to go, yeah. that, by that stage, in the, by the early 2000s, I was working with um, global clients like Barclays Investment Bank. Um, I had some really great corporates that came from relationships that I created because I suppose one advantage in running a business when you've come from a sales background is that you're pretty good in the first stages of opening the doors to sell yeah. yourself. But once you're in there, you've got to make a difference and know how to support and influence people. Um, and at that point, I started to think, right, I am my first stages of imposter syndrome. Can I really do this? Mm. But again, it is about making sure that you spend the time to reflect and step back as well as just being active. And I'd started to build up a bit of a team. I had people who were really liked to work alongside me. And that was good. Not all the time. I get that. Mm. And, and creating really effective teams was one of the first things that I really learned is not to try to do it all myself as yeah. well. So think about people who I could really work with, who would bring some of these skills and capabilities and behaviours that I didn't have is my natural preference. Um, but also how we could 
provide quite a niche and high quality service to our um, clients that was a bit different from a more corporate feel around learning consultancy at that point in time um, and far more bespoke and that had its advantages and disadvantages because we had to keep creating things rather than necessarily having packages of consultancy that we could sell because it was very bespoke but what I did find was that I began to get some really good feedback from that and and excited me interested me but it did have a toll as well in terms of the personal energy and drive when you're bringing up three young children yeah. at the same time as well. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. And, you know, that, as you know, um, you know, from the work I've done with Contribution Compass and, and other profiles, that when you find out where you're most in flow and you can engineer your life to spend a lot more time doing the work that you love that comes easily and naturally life is just a joy because then as you say you can find people to take on those tasks that take you way too long drain your energy and 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 don't fulfill you and that's such a stepping stone I mean I remember that when that happened for me actually later than you 2012 but it it was a game changer yeah and and also it lets you understand why you're not good in certain areas so it gives you permission to go actually that's not my area of expertise I now understand why I'm not thick it's just I'm not wired that way so yeah a real a real game changer so where do you excel Scylla what is your natural strengths well I think it seems to be the the area that I I suppose when I'm in flow, Silver, to use your language and words there, is when I am giving the challenge of solving complex problems for people. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking and reflecting really of the work that I've done over the last five years. So I ended up in a position where I had the opportunity to sell the business that I originally had. And I went into the corporate world for a little while. And I was fortunate enough to work for a, a consultancy business that had a great culture and environment but their focus and energy was around sales and service transformation and leadership and cultural transformation. So it played to all of the things that I really enjoyed. And the bit that really started to resonate was that where problems are ambiguous, where things have not occurred before, where the capabilities and and behaviours of people become critical for success. Mm. That's where I find that I I excel. So I can cut through the fog of stuff, you know, the things Mm. that get in the way of, of, what is it getting really down to the nub of what the issue is quickly and the ability to be um, able to spend maybe one or two hours with people and teams and just ask some critical questions, be really curious about some things, use that information to get a real sense of where people and teams and performance is at in an Mm. organisation and then draw on some of my strategic thinking capability I suppose and I hadn't even realized I got any of that because thinking wasn't really something that I did very much <laughs> not for young children Zilla <laughs> that, 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 that ability to translate what we're hearing using all the information really I suppose that's come from what you can see here touch but also that very much of that intuition base mm. and then use rapid reasoning to start to translate that into solutions that people can implement straight away and, yeah. and the, the biggest compliments I started to get through that was people say, my goodness, in the hour I've spent, I've got so many new ideas and ways of operating. You've given me an energy and a drive to go away and do something different. And 
that to me has i suppose really where my my strengths come but also i suppose now when you think about it there's also a bit of experience sitting in there sylvia that you can't a bit of ancient experience in the whole mix as well <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know i'm fascinated because you've moved from running your own business into corporates running your own consultancy back into corporate how have you done that because so many people I know that work for themselves say I'm totally unemployable I could never work for anybody else but you seem to have done that quite smoothly so how have you how have you managed that yeah um but it's an interesting one because I'm, others might say that I'm not very employable actually Sylvia to be quite <laughs> honest but I think there are certain there's so, certainly some significant benefits of being able to um, be part of a team um, and, and also help to collaboratively fill solutions with, with other key members. So when you're just purely working in a consultative capacity, you get the energy and driving going in and, and fixing some of those things and supporting the organisation to think differently and fix things for themselves. But then you're out again. You don't always mm. see that in results. Yeah, I think the the real joy for me in the probably the last three years and currently in my role as well is the ability to start to see small incremental changes that you've been part of building with a team. It's never going to be about one individual driving all yes. of this. It's part of influencing um, people to come on a journey of change with you within the organisation, but actually then to see the results. I think. You know, I, I don't find it easy sometimes with corporate politics. I, I have to disassociate myself with some of the more challenging areas for being in corporate life. But, you know, that's part and parcel of taking the rough with the smooth in these environments mm. and, and actually the benefit of having a team of supportive people and people who really you feel that you can coach and develop as sure. well for yeah. the long term. And, you know, one thing that I noticed in some of your, your testimonials was the lovely energy that you bring to, to a team or to, you know, to a consultation. So where does that come from and how do you maintain that energy and that enthusiasm? Because every time I talk to you, you are always really bright and bubbly and enthusiastic about what you're doing. How do you do that, Stella? Well, I think there's a couple of things for me. I, I do genuinely get up in the morning, Sylvia, and despite, you know, even at the age that I'm at now, excited about what my, the possibilities of the day might bring. And I'm still sometimes amazed that I do do that. I'm not saying that I jump out of bed easily every single morning, but that, that's, there's one piece of that. But also I have, talking about that reflection piece, I have a really strong spiritual um, aspect to, to my, to my life. And it's been an important part of my life. And drawing upon influences that are quite rooted and quite stabilizing means that um it's never going to change the fact that think life throws stuff at us doesn't it and mm -hmm. and generally those things are not always going to be easy there are going to be difficulties and challenges whether it's in the, in our working lives in our families within just generally within the conditions that we have to to, to work in but that deep-rooted sense of, of, of spiritual faith and belief, um, my Christian faith, is, has been a really strong anchor as well and gives me a, a, quite a sense of peace internally, which is, for me, an incredibly important bit. So whilst I'm very energetic externally, there's something that's really quite deep-rooted that is an anchor yes. there for me. Yes. 
So do you have quite a robust self-care routine? I mean, do you do you meditate or journal or take time out in nature or, you know, how do you know yeah. yourself, Scylla? Because you're giving out all the time. How do you top up that energy? I think it, actually it's been one of the advantages of the last 12 months, Sylvia, with the ways of working that we've had through COVID because I've absolutely established more effective routines than I probably might have done when I was um, traveling a lot as well. So some of the things that are really important for me now, I, I do yoga every morning. That's a really important part for me. So I usually do 20 to 30 minutes of sometimes it's active. Sometimes it's just more meditation in that yoga before I actually start work. So I'm, I'm sitting down at my desk already have with fairly half an hour of, of quiet time, me time. Mm where nobody else has been involved in that. And, and that's that's really important. It is pretty full on during the day, but then weekends, walking is a really important part for me. We've been just doing some recent challenges to try and up steps, but I make sure I look to do at least 10,000 steps a day. And over a weekend, then we're probably doing a couple of days of seven, eight mile walks and usually in environments which are pretty nice. You know, it's just, yeah. they are environments that, you you feel like you're rejuvenated mm. um my family are no longer at home so some of the stresses and pressures that that might have brought are no it's no longer there but the that ability to go and once we're back to it the other way that I really relax is I love to feed people mm. so um when we can do it getting people back into the home cooking for them just entertaining with them sitting down talking uh, exchanging life experiences that to me is a massive reboost of my battery and my energy mm. oh I totally get that absolutely totally get that and how do you um how do you keep learning and growing and developing because obviously again you're training people you're you're advising them you're working with organizations so you're giving out a lot so how do you keep topping up your knowledge and, and keep evolving yourself you know, sometimes I wish I would be doing more, but the thing is about snatching the opportunities just to get into some real nuggets of learning that mm. rejuvenate. So I, this podcast that I listen to, so when I'm out on walking, particularly during um, daytime, I love Brenny Brown's work. Mm. Um, that really uh, you know, resonates with me. I've been um, dipping into another book that I would thoroughly recommend that really refreshes me and rejuvenates me is The Science of Serendipity. Um, which is the the work of, of, of Matthew Kingdom, and that that's a brilliant book because it it you know it's absolutely focused around um, serendipity being what those un, those unplanned consequences of something yes. happening yes. that can be deemed to be a negative experience but becomes a real positive, and how do you generate? Um, the, the whole areas of creativity from unplanned consequences mm. so it's been a great book through the last 12 months that I've dipped into regularly just to think about well how would I do some of this with my team how do I have to bring fresh thinking in I mm. still draw a lot from my work in insights and other personality profiling tools and learning from that um, and I think the other thing <laughs> it's about learning through fun I know it sounds like a, it's a child at play stuff Sylvia isn't it really but there is a bit about actually just making sure you spend time with people doing conversations around their learning their reflections seeing what other people have learned and yeah. doing that in quite a humorous and playful way particularly in the environments that we're working now I get a lot from just listening to other people 
Mm. Yes, and experiences. That's something that we've really missed, isn't it? Actually being with people that we love, people that stimulate us and just having those fantastic conversations. It's uh, can't wait to get back to that. Yes. So, um, Scylla, one of the questions I always ask all my guests is how are you becoming more significant in the world? With becoming more significant, it's the impact that you're having on the people you live with, you work Mm. with, and the ripple effect that you're creating. How are you becoming more significant? It's a really interesting question because when, if I would have been going to look to how or do I believe I could have become significant in my earlier days, it would have been all about influence and it would have been about um, achieving the best I could be and Mm. maybe even around you know, a bit about the status and the salary and all of those sorts of things, you know, comes a point when that becomes the last thing that is creating significance, really. Um, I absolutely want to be in a position where you could look back if they've had interactions and work with me and felt that I've left a legacy for them. Mm. And that legacy would be maybe about the type of human being I was when I work with them. Um, I definitely know in terms of my own um growth and personal experience and the depth of the experience that I've had that I, I've been able to intuitively coach and develop people to be the best versions of themselves as well and to bring out things that they probably didn't know that they were capable of doing and if I could look back now and say where would I where have I been most, most significant it is probably in that de- the development of sometimes rough diamonds, but people Mm. who maybe didn't even believe they had the capability to do things. And now Mm. I can start to see the outputs from just working alongside them. And I don't, that's in a huge pile of humility from me because it's not just about me. That's actually also being able to tap into something that's intrinsic in that individual Mm. and and helping them develop. So there's definitely that one. And I think, um, my passion and energy and sense of fun is something I don't, I would never want to get to a point in terms of um, coming out of, of, of life in consulting and working with people and they say they had a dull time. So my, me adding significance is it adding a sense of fun and energy to their lives as well when they work yeah. with me. <laughs> Absolutely. It would never be dull working with you, Scylla. And I just want to pick up on two words there. One was was the diamond, you know, and I, yeah. I so believe that, you know, everybody's got this diamond within them. And it's all just a case of finding it and polishing it up and yeah. empowering them to shine in all their glory again. But the other thing you said was, you know, about about leaving a legacy. And one of the things I talk about is actually living your legacy now you know instead of kind of waiting until you've shuffled off your mortal coil and people suddenly find out what it was that you did in life isn't it so much better to enable people to see how they can tap into your expertise learn from you and then live a more fulfilling life so when I'm talking to people when I'm you know taking people through programs it's very much about live your legacy now yes live life to the full now because none of us know how many tomorrows we have let's face it we've been starting reminded of that lately exactly yeah yeah well that's the thing and we if we're thinking about how we're going to support uh, and help what the next generation of young enthusiastic passionate people who and and 
often they want to they're going to be learning in very different ways to how we've been learning as well mm. and and fulfilling their lives but tapping into that potential helping people to get a real deep sense of self knowing how to emotionally connect with others um giving that the ability to give really great constructive supportive feedback to yeah. to people that enables them to start to think differently about themselves and how they operate these are the sorts of things that I look to engender in my teams I don't do it so much on a consultative capacity right now in my present role but I do trust that I do it into my senior leaders that report to me mm-hmm. currently because I think those are leaders who are going to be the leaders of future businesses um, that either in the business that we're in currently or future businesses and I would want them to be in a position where they could go with a significant degree of greater confidence into whatever their next role might be because of that. Yes. And I'm sure they will, Scylla, because you lead by example, you know, and you bring that lovely energy to everything you do. And so, you know, it changes that mindset from all work is hard and it's a drag and it's the daily grind to let's have fun just being the best we can be, you know. And gosh, we spend something like 900 hours at, at work. I'm sure it's more than that, actually, in our lives. Yes, it's got to be yeah. a lot more. It must be yeah. like a thousand hours. Yes. <laughs> I must get that figure right. You know, it's got to be fun, hasn't it? Yeah. We spend all that time in our life not having fun. So uh, yeah, and and I know that often that combination of, of for me for, of fun and drive is an interesting one because mm-hmm. there is, I can often be described as a bit of a slave driver, Sylvia, to be quite honest. You know, I'm relentless. There are words like that that have often been described. And that comes back to that original thing about having structure and order around the way I do things. And yes. I, I don't thrive well in a, in a chaotic work environment, even though I love sorting out other people's chaoses for yes. them. Um, but, but I think combination of that drive and energy um, to – and it's not necessarily to succeed personally, but to deliver results mm. alongside that ability to, to have fun, to have a laugh at yourself. For goodness sake, never take yourself too seriously. Um, be able to bring some humour into situations because through that people not only in, uh, engage, but they relax and they, they're able to do their best work in that type of cultural environment as well. Yes, of course they do. Scylla, um, unfortunately, we're getting very close to the close of this interview. So I know that people would really like to get in touch with you, connect with you on LinkedIn. Can you give, give us a couple of ways in which people can reach out to you? Yes, by all means. So I am on LinkedIn and I can make sure that we are um, giving that information to everybody in terms of that that link. Um, I'm, I'm also in my current role within Babington I'm accessible as well um yeah so I think by in terms of the contact really happy to talk to networks and also coaching networks because quite often some of the the things I've been asked to do is to support individuals completely outside a working environment who may be looking to make some key choices around where they want to develop their own consultancy capabilities and skills. So I'm really happy to talk to anybody who's, who's at that crossroads and thinking, should I go it alone as a consultant? How mm. do I do that? By all means, contact me. I can provide my contact details for that. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And I will put all Scylla's contact details in the show notes for you. And Scylla, before we close, do you have one last thought, one last insight that you could just leave with our listeners? <laughs> 
Um, never stop being curious. I think that's one for me. I think the, the ability to constantly be curious, lot, ask lots of questions, really, truly look to understand. Be curious about yourself, first of all, and how you tick, and then make sure that you're constantly curious about others. That would be my words of wisdom that I would lead. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Becoming More Significant podcast. And I really hope that you've taken away some practical steps to take right now to help you unlock more of that hidden potential that we are all only scratching the surface of. If you would like to discuss how I might be able to support you in your journey into greater significance, please get in touch. It's calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock for a no obligation free initial coaching call to find out how together we can make sure that the coming weeks and months are your most significant ever. Take care.